you ever noticed how some countries make it so hard to keep up with transfer pricing requirements and regulations? Last year, no master file. This year, mandatory master file. Last year, regional comparables. This year, local comparables only. Who can keep up? Hello, everyone. It's Matthew DeMello, your host of The Fiona Show, Cross-Border Solutions weekly podcast about transfer pricing, and we know just how infuriating temperamental jurisdictions can be. And while we can't tackle every fickle country in this one episode, but give us time, we'll try. Today, we're going to turn the tables on tax scrutiny, so to speak, and get up close and personal with one evolving transfer pricing regime, Argentina. To help us figure out Argentina transfer pricing in 2019, we have with us cross-border solutions South American specialist Adam Sanford. And of course, our resident AI transfer pricing know-it-all, Fiona, is here with us as well. Hello, Fiona. Hello, Matt. Argentina is such an interesting country where transfer pricing is concerned changing things up all the time. Right. That's just the point, Fiona. Who can keep up with all those changes? Well, me. Well, I guess that's true. For us mere mortals, there's lots to learn, and we have a great show ahead for you. As you may know, you can earn CPE credits just for listening to this podcast. How cool is that? Here's how it works. We're planting two CPE code words in this podcast. Listen for both and email them. That's two code words to thefionashow at xbs.ai. And just like that, we'll email your certificates. Now, before we plunge headfirst into new decrees, resolutions, and OECD membership, let's take a look at transfer pricing in the news. Brazil's days as a transfer pricing anomaly may be numbered. Back in 2017, the country took initial steps to join the OECD and meet its first hurdle, aligning its transfer pricing regulations with those recommended by the tax governing body. For some countries, that would be a no-brainer, but for Brazil, not so much. Brazil has its own transfer pricing thing going. It's the only country without laws or regulations referring to the arm's length principle, and it's had a hard time attracting international trade and investment because the transfer pricing system it has often leads to double taxation and thus lost revenue. But the OECD isn't giving up. In fact, you might say it's offering a little hand-holding. Enter the OECD Brazil Transfer Pricing Project, which launched last year, a joint venture between the Brazilian Federal Revenue Service and the OECD. The project's first order of business was to determine Brazil's transfer pricing regime's strengths, weaknesses, and how the country could better gel with the guideline gods. The initial 15-month assessment revealed that more than 75% of Brazil's transfer pricing issues increase the risk of double taxation and 90% lead to revenue losses for the country. Not exactly the news Brazil was hoping to hear. The good news is the OECD isn't going anywhere. In fact, together the groups are considering two next-step options. The first is to change Brazil's regulations to meet OECD guidelines abruptly. The second is a more gradual and perhaps more likely approach in Embracing OECD guidelines for high-threshold taxpayers immediately, then gradually lowering that threshold, forcing more taxpayers into the fold. Either way, Brazil has a lot of work ahead, and we mean a lot. The tax authorities will have to invest in personnel and offer training on the OECD's transaction profit methods and performing functional analyses. And let's not forget about investing in a database for the valuation of comparable items, additional training in assessment, auditing, and dispute resolution, and restructuring how the agency works. Now that all sounds a lot like starting over from scratch, if you ask us. 
And just in case you need any more reminders that the world is cracking down on transfer pricing tax avoidance, the Inter-American Center of Tax Administrations, or CIAT for short, just released a 110-page directive it only took three years to put together that focuses on transfer pricing transgressions in low-income countries. The document, which so helpfully is only available in Spanish, covers a lot of territory. Did we mention that it's 110 pages? A few highlights. A new best method selection election process for transfer pricing analyses and government methods for detecting inferior ones. The document also discussed, quote, geographic adjustments in parameters. The directive's goal is to achieve a consensus among the 42 countries participating. And the group is well on its way. In fact, many CIAT countries claim they're already moving forward with the recommendations and they don't need any more proposals or meetings. No more meetings. Now, that's a directive we can all get on board with. The Inter-American Center of Tax Administrations may be on its way to consensus, but the G7 isn't so lucky. The group met last week in Chantilly, France, to discuss a minimum global tax regime in order to put the brakes on diverting corporate profits to tax havens or low-tax jurisdictions. Taxing tech companies was also on the agenda, which of course led to a heated discussion about France's newly passed unilateral 3% turnover tax. Let's just say U.S. Secretary Steve Mnuchin wasn't exactly smiling about it, claiming that the tax unfairly targets U.S. companies. French Prime Minister Bruno Le Maire said he's happy to embrace a multilateral decision, but he's just not willing to wait for one. According to Le Maire, the national tax will be withdrawn when the OECD negotiates a multilateral solution, which should happen, fingers crossed, by the end of 2020. Not a lot of takers on that bet, I'm sure. He also pointed out the meeting's obvious takeaway. If seven member states can't agree on the question of digital taxation, then it's hard to imagine the OECD's 129 member states would be able to reach such a compromise. And while Le Maire may have faced a lot of opposition at that meeting, we're betting no one argued with that. Note to multinational companies everywhere, if you think the coronavirus has affected your bottom line, take a look at how it's devastated the economies of governments around the world. And where do you think tax authorities will look to make up for all that lost revenue? That's right, your transfer pricing. You can't afford to be non-compliant, but then you probably can't afford to pay for an overpriced consultant who bills by the hour either. Oops, sorry, big four. We've got the answer. Cross-border solutions, AI-powered transfer pricing software keeps you in compliance by preparing accurate, hyper-localized reports that protect you from transfer pricing audits, penalties, and adjustments. And our technology is available for one flat fee, a fraction of what you'd pay a big-name consultant. Again, apologies, Big Four. Stay in compliance and on budget with cross-border solutions, AI-driven transfer pricing software. It's no wonder we're the global leader in AI-driven tax solutions. There we go again. I'm so sorry, Big. You know what? Wait, who am I kidding? Sign up for a free demo of cross-border solutions transfer pricing technology today at xbs.ai slash tp that's xbs.ai slash tp OK, 
Okay, let's get to it. What is going on in Argentina lately? Just when you've gotten used to its form-after-form approach to transfer pricing, the OECD member wannabe tries to simplify things with a decree in December. And turns out that decree was not so simple. In May, the powers that be make more changes to the decree with a new resolution. Then in June, the country announces a, quote, knowledge-based tax regime. Feeling lost? We're just getting started. But fortunately, Adam Sanford is here, and he's going to help us untangle this transfer pricing tango. And who better? With years of transfer pricing experience, Adam has had a front row seat to little movements like BEPS Action 13. He started his career at PwC, where he collaborated on transfer pricing strategic planning for clients all over the world. He learned the art of benchmarking and analyses in the ins and outs of OECD-approved documentation. At Cross Border Solutions, as transfer pricing director, he oversees a staff in New York and Argentina, straddling the two countries with a home both in the States and in Rosario. He prepares documentation to the individual and increasingly strict standards of tax authorities worldwide and strategizes with clients on their particular transfer pricing positions. With a specialty in transfer pricing in South America, Adam keeps up on and keeps clients apprised of changing regulations. We're going to talk to him about Argentina, and then later he'll take the hot seat in what we want to know, our rapid fire round of on-the-spot questions. Welcome, Adam. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you very much, Matt. That was a nice, warm welcome. (laughs) I try my best. But just to start things off, let's ask, how did you get into transfer pricing? I, uh, I was a purchasing manager at a small airline in Rosario, Argentina after living there for a couple of years, and I noticed a vacancy for a transfer pricing analyst at PwC, and it, it struck my attention due to them working globally with multinational clients, analyzing financial data. I found that to be more interesting than what I was doing, so I, I, I jumped so, in. It, so was it just those factors, or what is it about transfer pricing itself that you, that you find interesting today or maybe found interesting back then? Right. Well, today, I mean, I, we wear so many different hats. Uh, you could look at a transaction from an economical standpoint and, and find different factors about it. Uh, we also put on our legal hats from time to time. You have to have some accounting skills. There's some some business structure skills that and, and knowledge that you need to have. So it's a, it's a wide array of, of different responsibilities and um, and facets of of what what we're trying to accomplish in these analyses that that keep me interested. For sure, for sure. And uh, was it from that experience onward, or even past experience? How did you uh, become a specialist in Argentina, so to speak? Well, working at uh, PwC in Argentina for five years, I was able to stay abreast to the changes that were going on in South America, in Argentina, but globally as well, especially with BEPS Action 13. Right, right. And you live in Argentina now. What would you say your favorite local food is there? Favorite local food would be matambre, without a doubt, and that's literally translated to hunger killer. Uh, but it's actually it's a it's a cut of a pork belly and it's oh. amazing. Yeah, that does sound delicious. Even with all of your time and experience in in Argentina, uh, what what do you miss from the United States? Um, right on red and Christmas and winter. Yeah, is that really difficult when you're driving around? I've always wondered that. Uh, if. If it's not legal to go right on red and you have the notion to do so, you will cause many accidents. Oh, my God. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. I yeah. even feel that, like, not being in New York City. Like, anytime I leave New York City, oh, that's, that's, uh, 
Jeez. It's a blessing. Uh, anyway, but uh, let's talk about Argentina. First of all, I know Cross Border Solutions has some interesting news there. Can you tell us what the company is doing? Absolutely. So we've actually opened up a, a new entity, which would be Cross Border Solutions SRL. And it's been a wonderful and welcome challenge to understand what it takes to open an entity in, in a foreign space. Uh, the move into Rosario further expands our global footprint and brings us closer to our clients. Uh, the job market is not particularly strong mm -hmm. in Argentina, and especially in Rosario at the moment. So we were able to find an influx of highly qualified, educated individuals, and were able to identify many new colleagues with previous TP experience that help us grow our, our help us build our growing team. And of course, an advantage is in, in opening a foreign, foreign subsidiary for cross-border solutions is your transfer pricing is already taken care of, of course. Of course. Of, of course. course. Uh, but let's start with the basics. What is the name of the Argentinian uh, tax authority? So that would be the AFIP, or the Administración Federal de Ingresos Públicos, or literally translated to the Federal Administration of Public Income. And, and what is scrutiny like right now in Argentina? So the scrutiny has increased drastically for companies that haven't filed proper forms, and uh, there's a high risk of transfer pricing audits. Along with that, the AFIP reviews transfer pricing during general tax audits and specific transfer pricing audits. Wow, so it seems like Argentina is really stepping up its audit efforts. Is the AFIP known for challenging the paperwork that comes in? The chances of challenges to analysis is considered quite high on a, um, in a global framework, and uh, the chances of adjustments after those uh, audits is quite high as well. Mm. So what if you get audited in Argentina? Are adjustments common? If you've been audited, you can expect potential adjustments uh, after they look into your analyses and whether or not you took the correct approach or uh, met all the requirements, you could be looking at additional scrutiny. Indeed, and I just want to ask Fiona, our AI transfer pricing genius, is Argentina a member of the OECD? No, but it has recently started the process to become a member. So does Argentina adhere to OECD guidelines? OECD guidelines aren't required, but they are recognized as long as they don't interfere with Argentina's own guidelines. Now, interfere with Argentina's own guidelines. Let's talk about those. Fiona, does Argentina require a master, local, and country-by-country -country report? As of quite recently, yes. Argentina introduced the CBC report in 2017 and the master file in 2018. There isn't a local file, per se, but the country does require a transfer pricing study, which resembles a local file. It doesn't require a local file, but it does require a transfer pricing study, which resembles a local file, with benchmarking analysis, functional analysis, industry analysis, and there's even an additional macroeconomic analysis that needs to be included as part of the study talking about the Argentinian economy in its current state. So does Argentina require documentation of its own? Uh, yes. These requirements are different from other countries, and Argentina uh, historically has always been form-heavy in terms of what they require their taxpayers to submit. Um, some of those include audited financials, transfer pricing specific returns, annual form 743, 969, 742, just to name a couple. These forms have created an additional burden on the taxpayer in a form of compliance, which requires them to find new service providers 
to fill out all this information, to compile all this information in a system and submission. And that's a lot to keep track of. What about deadlines? Fiona, do all have to be submitted at the same time? It used to be that there were deadlines all over the fiscal year calendar, but in May, Argentina changed all that. Now all forms have to be submitted in the first week of the eighth month following the close of the tax year. That's for forms 741, 743, 867, and 4501. And I'm going to interrupt here quickly with our first CPE code word, and that word is more, as in Argentinian tax authorities are paying more and more attention to transfer pricing these days. I've read that Argentina has done some updating on those documentation requirements, even starting with the decree published in December and then changed up in May, which all doesn't sound very simple. Can you give us an example of the way these changes in May made things simpler? Well, they've included new thresholds for Form 867. These thresholds are for independent parties that have to submit when their transactions exceed 10 million pesos, uh, increase from 1 million pesos, or a total transaction in a given fiscal year exceeding 3 million pesos. So now, because they've put these higher thresholds into place, not as many companies have to submit documentation, so not as many companies need to be burdened with Form 867, which is I'm sure it's a million pages long. Correct. So they're really focusing on the larger players in the Argentinian economy and um, additionally multinationals working within the economy. Hi, I'm Matthew DeMello, and you may know me as the host of the Fiona Show Cross-Border Solutions Weekly Transfer Pricing Podcast. And while I love to discuss transfer pricing, this podcast isn't the only place you can hear me doing it. Cross-Border Solutions recently relaunched Transfer Pricing University, a live webinar series where you can learn about modern-day transfer pricing, everything from methodologies to comparables to preparing documentation to meet country-specific regulations. Good stuff, I know. Chief Economist Mimi Song leads the sessions. I just ask the occasional obvious question. Since our program is NASBA certified, you can earn one CPE credit for joining each session. Pretty sweet. So what are you waiting for? Join us for Transfer Pricing University every Tuesday and Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern. Classes are free, so now you really have no reason to miss it. Sign up at xbs.ai slash tpu. And I know they set up some thresholds for Forms 743 and 4501, and that should simplify the amount of forms that are coming in for multinational companies overall with those two requirements. That's correct. So when individual transactions on Forms 743 and 4501 exceed 300,000 pesos, uh, those are Argentinian pesos, or the aggregate transactions exceed 3 million pesos, then the taxpayer would have to file. And what about deadlines? Because it seems to me that it sounds like one of the most complicated things in Argentinian transfer pricing is that there are deadlines all over the place. Did they take that into consideration with these new updates at all? So they've actually simplified that process as well. There's actually one due date for Form 743, 741, and 4501. And then the deadlines for country-by-country -country reports are the same. That's 12 months after their fiscal year ends. Always good news that no one's feeling the need to reinvent the wheel when it comes to country-by-country -country reports. But do you think these changes are, are going to make transfer pricing in Argentina simpler? It will make it simpler for the taxpayers that don't meet these thresholds. Uh, in some ways, the larger taxpayers will face that additional scrutiny. It's almost like the AFIP is looking at the big fish, and they'll focus more on them than in 
uh, the, the smaller taxpayers. So very simple indeed. And when do these rules go into effect? These will be effective for tax years beginning on or after January 2018. And Fiona, is transfer pricing methodology in Argentina in line with the OECD these days? Yes. You can use the comparable uncontrolled price method, considered the most appropriate, resale price method, cost plus, profit split, and the transactional net margin method. The sixth method, which draws comparisons using market quotes as opposed to comparing transactions and prices between unrelated parties, was repealed in Argentina's 2018 tax reform. And I'll ask this uh, to Adam. And what about benchmark requirements? Does Argentina mandate local comparables or regional? So no specific requirement in terms of local or regional comparables. What the AFIP in Argentina do require is that the, the identified companies should have publicly available information so that they can verify the financials of each accepted comp. And additionally, a fresh benchmarking search is required every year which is where cross-border solutions comes in because we do fresh benchmarking every year for all of our clients a fresh benchmarking search every year that seems like a lot of work adam what is that like for you uh it's like pushing a button for me because fiona does it all (laughs) things being made all too simple shout outs to fiona Uh, but what was it like uh before in the dark ages well, the Dark Ages, and, and I, I've heard uh, horror stories from my predecessors, but my Dark Ages were uh, Excel shortcuts, manual reading um, of business descriptions, looking at financials, creating, um, creating calculations to quantitatively reduce the amount of companies that we had to read. Uh, any benchmark could take between 6 and 15 hours before and today wow. it takes between five and ten minutes. So artificial intelligence in that case must make a world of difference for this work. What other changes uh, does this represent for companies? Well, it represents finding the, the appropriate types of comparables for each individual transaction and each individual tested party. Uh, Fiona's been able to look through 1.5 million companies at, at the drop of a dime, find us the best comparables that mirror our tested parties financially, qualitatively, and they're they're performing similar services or functions out in the market. For sure. And with how much less time that's taking, the time spend on that also has to mean a tremendous difference for the bottom line. Absolutely, absolutely. We're actually uh, using these advantages that we have through Fiona. We're able to pass along those cost savings to our client base. Right, right, right. And what about some other requirements? For example, does Argentina require a single-year or multi-year analysis? Argentina requires a single-year analysis, and they use the interquartile range. And now, along with the resolution that debuted in May, uh, Argentina published in a gazette on June 10th that with this resolution comes the regime of the promotion of the knowledge-based economy. Uh, That's a direct quote. Is that the country's way of addressing the digital economy? Basically, the objective is to promote knowledge-based digital activities that result in manufacturing, the provision of services, or the improvement of processes. And what activities does that include? Activities could include software development, audiovisual productions, biotechnology, geological services, professional services qualifying as exports. A lot of functions having to do with almost any kind of technology. Right. So the leeway in terms of the forms of technology that you need to have is encouraging. 
at the same time, what is the amount of revenue that needs to come from digital services in order to meet the requirements of this incentive program? You'd have to generate at least 70% of your revenue from those digital activities or services. You have to enroll in the registry and meet some of the following requirements, which could be obtaining a certification of continuous improvement, invest 3% of sales in research and development, invest at least 8% of total salaries in training for your workforce, and or generate at least 13% of total revenues from the export of goods or services. And considering how much that is, why would a company want to become part of this? What are the benefits? Well, there are actually some huge benefits for our Argentinian subsidiaries or Argentinian multinationals that are headquartered down there. Uh, could be a 15% income tax rate compared to 35%, which it was previously. That's a huge incentive. I can see that making a big difference for a lot of companies indeed. Absolutely, absolutely. And are there any other benefits? Well, they in front of the AFIP, they could have tax stability. Uh, there will also be additional VAT withholding exemptions. And they could also get a tax credit bond equivalent to 1.6 times the amount payable as Social Security contributions, which could be used to offset federal taxes. So more directly, what is Argentina's goal with this program? What are they trying to get out of what they call a knowledge-based digital incentive program? They're looking to take the know-how of these digital activities that they hope will result in additional manufacturing, additional services provided, and additional improvement of processes throughout the country. So just to recap, these companies get a huge income tax break, they get a tax credit, VAT exemptions, and tax stability. That last one in the transfer pricing universe is a sort of a prize pig since being able to know what to expect and when to expect it is such a luxury for most multinationals. Of course, especially dealing with a regime like the AFIP, which we talked about earlier, tax stability would be like gold for a multinational. Indeed, like gold. Uh, Do multinationals have to pay to be a part of the program? Uh, They'll be required to pay a fee that should not exceed 4% of the savings that they've generated through these benefits. Yeah, that's a huge incentive. Many companies would take that deal. And let's just stop here for a moment and uh, give our second CPE code word. That second CPE code word is align, as in Argentina is working to align to align its transfer pricing requirements with the OECDs. So, Adam, what do these changes, these new thresholds, deadlines, becoming a member of the OECD soon, uh, new forms, what do they all tell us about transfer pricing in Argentina? Well, it tells us that Argentina, through the AFIP, is attempting to move closer to the OECD guidelines. They have their eyes on the digital economy. As, as we were talking about earlier, they're really looking at the big fish, uh, that the large taxpayers instead of the smaller taxpayers, where there might be less benefit if they were to audit them or, or apply additional scrutiny. That being said, there are new provisions in the tax reforma and decree that are still pending regulation by the AFIP. So, in a way, that that kind of signals that they have their eye on the digital economy. They may not be forwarding, uh, you know, a plan for a digital services tax anytime soon. Uh, but this signals like a broader focus on on that area. Right. With these global changes in the digital economy, uh, Argentina and the AFIP are not not far behind, and I, I think they really want to get their focus on these types of companies that are that are starting to set up shop in Argentina. Indeed. And why is it so important to be aligned with the OECD for Argentina right now? 
Well, it's extremely important. They are they are attempting to join the OECD, much like their neighboring Brazil, which is working on that as well. But the best way to avoid uh, BEPS and make sure Argentina gets their tax due to them would be aligning themselves with OECD. A global pandemic, a grim economic forecast, feeling the squeeze, an R&D tax credit can help lower your burn. If you qualify, the IRS and some state governments will give you a tax credit equal to 10% of your company's spend on development activities. You can even take the credit against payroll taxes if you're in the red. All you have to do is claim it. So what's stopping you? If an expensive application process is turning you off, sorry, now you really have no excuse. Cross-Border Solutions AI-driven R&D tax credit software eliminates the need for pricey consultants and allows you to apply for R&D credits all over the world for one low fee. After all, why should you have to spend your whole R&D tax credit on getting your R&D tax credit? It's your money. Keep more of it with Cross Border Solutions, the global leader in AI-driven tax solutions. Request a demo today. Visit xbs.ai/rd. That's xbs.ai/rd. It looks like we are running out of time here, but today's talk was fascinating. I want to thank you so much, Adam, for appearing on the Fiona show today. Fortunately, we can spare a few minutes for my favorite part of the show. It's called What We Want to Know. Here's how it works. We put you, Adam, in the hot seat for a rapid fire round of questions. Are you ready? Yes. No, that wasn't one of the questions, but we're going to ask the rest anyway. Here we go. <laughs> Which place feels more like home to you these days, the United States or Argentina? Argentina. Oh, boy. How do you handle high-maintenance clients? Uh, I like to engage in conversation with them so we can understand, manage, and ultimately exceed their expectations to bring their maintenance level down. Oh, yes, yes. And no no naming names. Not, no, not zero. Yet. Zero. Right, right, right. And what do you wish you had known when you first started in transfer pricing? Uh, Excel shortcuts. Excel shortcuts, don't we all? Hypothetically, someone on your team describes you as super smart. Somebody describes you as super hardworking. Which are you most proud of and why? I would take super smart as that aims at achieving goals with quality in a shorter amount of time. Mm, interesting. And people define success in different ways. What's your definition? Uh, the right mixture of continued learning, attitude, and aptitude would be my definition of success. I like that a lot. Well, while we're sure you haven't heard the last of Argentina's transfer pricing shakeups, you have heard the last of it from us, well, for today anyway. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Thank you to Adam for walking us through Argentina's changing landscape. We've got more great shows coming up, so don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, The Fiona Show, on iTunes or Spotify. And while I'm on the subject of great transfer pricing podcasts, I'm going to plug yet another one, The Fiona Show, hot off the press, where we keep you in the know about transfer pricing in the news. Check it out. Your friends will be jealous of all that knowledge, or at least the cool ones will. This podcast is edited, engineered, recorded, and co-hosted by yours truly. Marilyn Mitchum-Strom is our executive producer and writes our scripts. This is Matthew DeMello saying, until next week, that's a wrap. <laughs>